Welcome to part two of the Grizz Den podcast. Off season. Off season. We've been in the off season. We've got some actual stuff to talk about. If you didn't catch part one, we went through just about every signing. We talked about uh, Summer League. We talked about the rookies. We talked about kind of the state of the roster. Now in part two, we're going to talk about some some off-the-floor stuff, particularly when it comes to John Morant and the the media tour if you will, that he's been having. Really, it's one main interview, but he has been on, uh, he's been in a lot of headlines recently. A lot of it was because of some, um, some bad reporting on what he actually said. Uh, we can get into that, but let's, I'm just going to tee up Brantley here. Brantley, Ooh. where do you want to start <laughs> with this? Because I know you've been itching to talk about well, so everything. Just for, why don't, will you just do a, your, uh, your Jim Nance on the summary of just the interview. Sure, like, sure, sure. Do it like Absolutely. who it was, where it was, what sort of transpired the previous, like it's like 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, so basically um, Taylor Rooks and John Morant have been doing... Uh, Taylor Rooks is with Bleacher Report? That's something? right. Yeah. They've been doing an annual interview around this time each year. Um, it never has gotten a ton of press until now. Uh, this year in particular, because there were some clips released before the full interview was re- released, and I believe it actually came out either yesterday or today, the full full one-hour interview. Um, but there was a clip going around about John Morant saying that like if uh, he played back when Michael Jordan played and they were in the same league, like he would cook Michael Jordan. Um, and then that got aggregated very incorrectly. Um, somebody said that Jaws' quote had to do with like, how MJ wouldn't be a superstar in this league. He would just be a regular guy. That wasn't true. And it was a, a, a joke sports uh, account that made made that uh, up. And then ESPN ran with it in one of their shows. It was this whole big thing that I think put more emphasis on that. Hopefully led more people to actually watch the real interview. Um, because in it, Jaws obviously And saying, ESPN has t- today, like... Uh, uh, release an official apology. Oh yeah, they've apologized for it. It was yeah, it was on one of their big shows. Um, but if you watch the clip too, like it was very tongue in cheek. Like Ja was just kind of being his like cocky, confident, joking self. Um, After being very respectful, hundred percent, Michael Jordan, hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's where. So like, it's a great like it, the principle to me on this was that like there has. There's been very few because I've listened to those interviews previously that he's done, and there's really hasn't been a whole lot, in my opinion, that's been very revealing in in there. Uh, they've always been good. I thought this interview was excellent from multiple perspectives. I thought the questions that were asked were not just surface level questions. I thought they were fairly deep from an emotional perspective, from a how Jod trains perspective, the way he thinks about new age media um, with Twitter getting into even like, I don't, I really don't even want to ruin it because it just for Grizz fans, yeah, should go it's watch it. very worth going to watch and pay attention to because it, it, it's a different, I do think it's an interesting look into this, you know, budding superstar 
maybe not even budding anymore that we have on our roster. And I was obviously watching it just kind of like waiting for the like the clip. Like when is the MJ thing going to happen? And, and, and Ja does, I would say maybe 15% of the time, in my opinion, he towed this line of sort of being like, what I would say is like Kobe like confident where he's, he, he is a superstar. So he's going to think he's better than a lot of players that are currently active. And, and like, you know, Josh should think that way. Dylan Brooks should not think that way. Dylan Brooks should be very confident, but he shouldn't think that he's better than LeBron or or could go against MJ if like a terrible scenario. I mean, For example, one of the things that I noticed where he, you know, one of the first questions was about his contract, and the very th- first thing he said about it was, I earned it. Yeah. Which, and if you look at it, like, yeah. it makes you kind of like, ooh, is that really what I want him to say? But then it's kind of like, well... I want my superstar to think that he is worth that and right. to play up to that level. And then his next follow to all of that is, but now it's time to go get back to work. Exactly. That's what's, exactly. And he's like, and I'm not the kind of guy, you know, it, it, he was referencing back to all, if you read the, the Sports Illustrated articles, I think it was Sports Illustrated last year that summarized his sort of in the dark theme. Um, I can't remember the journalist that did that whole reporting that was excellent about how he trained, why he trained, why he didn't post about training, which this is another awesome social trend that you see NFL quarterbacks following. Um, uh, our boy you know, from LSU, Joe Burrow, does the same thing where he's not posting about working out in the gym every day. He's like, this is my job. I'm going to be in the gym every day. I'm not going to post about it. Jaw is the same way. And so he goes that spectrum so he, to the confidence angle and then you, there's other elements where I would say I came away hearing the whole interview with a primarily like, oh, this was a this was a very humble, totally confident human um, who loves what he does, uh, is grateful for what's happened. You you came away ex- if you listen to the whole interview, there are clips where you could take them out of context and be like, I don't like that kid. A hundred percent. When when you listen to the whole thing, you're like, nah, he's he clearly has a good relationship uh with um who who he was being interviewed by and Taylor Rooks. Taylor Rooks, thank you. Um I couldn't think of it off the top of my head. And which then sets up the tongue in cheek sort of moment with MJ where when you hear it, you're like, he's not at all it was all in the context of just go listen to it, of like how he was speaking at the all-star game, how he missed the chance to talk to MJ. Anyway, all that content is so great. And the way ESPN aggregated it is a great like side narrative that we could just go all in the paint on in terms of just how terrible it is that it got aggregated. Speaking of Michael Jordan, what would have, what would Michael Jordan have done in the interview? The same, same thing, thing that Co- Ja did. Kobe did the same thing. Right. So it's like all of these guys and there is this sort of like, I mean, Ja is getting past whether he takes it and maintains it. Like Bill Simmons talks about this all the time. And so did Jackie McMullen and her excellent podcast series about sort of like NBA superstars and how there is this secret icon icon society where these players, they, they pass the baton onto the next stars and LeBron is doing that 
to Ja and Tatum and Luca. Like he's saying that stuff publicly. Ja, even in this interview, is saying like how grateful it is he's being talked about and like the type of responsibility that he has to maintain it. That is like a very humble superstar. Hopefully he can maintain like we want him to maintain it because I think it brings a ton of success to the city and all those types of things. So like that's one side of it. I have a whole nother take, but I don't want to go outside of that yet until I let all of you react to just like that sort of summary of what was happening. What do you think, Kraft? Yeah, I mean I think that that's the way I felt. I mean I I think that he a lot of talk he you know, right after saying I earned it, he also said I called my family and said kind of like we did it. Yeah. Like we did this and, and I just, you know, for me, uh, listening to a lot of podcasts and a lot of media, I do think that a lot of, especially older media people, or even honestly, even millennial media people who kind of are nervous about jaws, you know, use of Twitter, social media things. And I just think, but you have to balance that out with how his teammates feel about him, how his Murray State teammates feel about him because he keeps getting them all these jobs with the hustle. <laughs> um, but like, you know, his loyalty, you know, the way the rookies talk about him and like he would, that he would come to Salt Lake City and play with, you know, and, and practice with them before summer league after making, you know, a $193 million contract. So I just think, you know, you have to balance all that out. And I, I agree, like that is, he is, he is, he, he is humble. But he's confident, like, yeah. and he is, and but you have to be. Yeah, you have to be confident to be where he wants to be. Also, I, I've talked about this with you guys uh, specifically in our text thread, but just like if you look at the landscape of an NBA superstar and and what I like to call like the life cycle of an NBA superstar, you start out by everybody loving you when you burst onto the scene for the first time, and then. When that, when you don't, let's say you don't, you know, win in your first year of that happening, you might not win in your second, the public's going to turn and they're going to say, this guy is all talk. He's not a winner. Uh, why are we giving him this much attention? Even though the public was the one who put him on the platform in the first place. It's a really backwards thing. And then when you finally win, then everybody turns back and they're like, oh, we knew it the whole time. We were right. Jaws about to enter phase two. And you can see it happening right now with the controversy in his confidence. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something to watch for Grizzlies fans. Don't get fooled. This is what happens to everyone. It happened with Giannis. It happened with LeBron. Like, the Giannis is the best player in the NBA right now, arguably. LeBron has been the best player. Like, Jaws may not get to their level, but it happened to them. Durant. So like, Durant, oh my gosh, he's still... Curry, I mean... Durant still won, and it's happening because he didn't do it by himself. So, like, don't get fooled by this. Just know that we have a superstar on our hands, and he's going to get treated like that, and it's a good thing. And Dame, Dame too, like, can you win with your his size? Yes. The way they built around him. You know, I've said this multiple times that, like, I don't don't necessarily put... I I think that Curry is kind of entering into this new realm of like, is he a, the a top five player of all time type person? Like, impact on the game, changing the game, what he's done to the team, person like to just the NBA in general. And yet, he was before they won their first championship. He was a can he stay healthy enough to win guy. And so, without spoiling the whole interview, one of the things Ja really talks about is how. 
he's super focusing on what his durability looks like. These are like music to our ears because if you watch him, the balancing act of how he plays, he's like, I've always played this way, and yet that means that I have to train differently. And so those are all things that you're like, well, this is great to hear as a fan. Um, and for any job fan, you're like, yeah, dude, like, let's go, let's see what that looks like. He, like the emotion that he reveals in the interview, just about what it was like to sit out of the Golden State um, series and be a part of that. It's so, um, like, it was, you can't. I would be shocked if any person didn't listen to that and not come away, come away as a huge loving fan of jaw versus the, like when you hear the MJ quote, you're like, dude, who the is this kid? Which is the way it got aggregated, which is the way I got texted by like 30 of my casual NBA fans all texted me about that quote, the fake quote, like not even, not even the out of context quote, but the totally totally fake quote. Yeah. The totally fake quote. Um, and I, I mean, I will say also, and and I think for Grizzlies fans, I mean, like, uh, like as far as poking the bear, I mean, the two fan bases, a Warriors fan base and Laker fan base are the two that our team has gone after the most too. And they're going to be the brutal, um, there's just they, they take me, up like 50 percent of the market share yes. on Twitter. If you yeah. notice, like it's all Warriors yeah. and Lakers. Yeah, but uh, one thing, I, a story I, I heard this actually afternoon. Um, shout out to a podcast I enjoy called uh, It's a Paywall Podcast, but greatest of all talk goat podcast. But Ben Golver and Andrew Sharp are talking about summer league and they talked about it was kind of an aside at the end but they were like hey just they were gonna they were talking about the weird lakers thing uh about russell westbrook on one side of lebron but he said but by the way one thing just, that was wait wait hold on what do you mean huh it's, 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 i don't know what just, you're talking this, about. so uh just at summer league the lakers were playing lebron was on one side with kind of his entourage eating his sack of like yeah eating his sack his, his like yeah his lebron mix, brought his own snacks his to trail summer mix, league and it was a whole and, thing and then russell restbrook weirdly like sat on the other side and like uh just from them it said like the whole media row it was like the most awkward like you know that two sucks. two broken up people in the same place type feel um but one of the things that they said as a side was they said the big but but with that and they said we'll get to that in a second but one of the things that stood out was lebron was there you know and there was a little bit of a buzz like lebron's here and they said but then jaw walked in and the place totally changed Hell yeah and they said that one he said he thought i just got they thought just the got kids, chills. they thought that all the kids were gonna break down like the the like bleacher kind of gates that's what's to up. get to jaw and he and basically uh ben golliver said i mean it's weird to say but it feels like a torch has been passed that's what's uh, up if so you, if you look- so i mean that and that was like i i got chills when i heard it Ooh. too but I mean, that is, I mean, that's what we're talking Let's about. Jaw. Hey, if you look on the metrics, uh, all the social media metrics, like by far most page views, yeah. most engagement right. is with Jaw. Right. And, and I, second was Steph. Right. Yeah, it's like crazy. And, and Steph doesn't really, has never really been a big Vegas summer league guy. Right. Um, and so, but that was, there was this kind of like that Jaw is now the guy who gets the buzz at summer league when he walks in the building. It's great. Oof. What was your second I thought y'all would like that. Well, so now you just sort of – so I think one of the the last thing about the interview at the very end, they asked Josh sort of like there was a comment from like a user-generated question of like what he wants to be known by. Oh, yeah. Like his one word. 
This is the like one thing I'll spoil because he says I want to be known as like the most exciting player of all time, which is totally achievable, attainable, and ownable. Like I'm about to juxtapose that. I would say that LeBron, there's a lot of things that he could be known as. I think he's probably like the savviest player of all time. The way that, at least that's how I will remember him. The way that he handled his negotiations with franchises. He didn't do everything perfectly, but the way that he built his own sort of media empire along the way and sort of like this new age, his PR machine, uh, all of the things that he's done over time, he has been so media savvy in what he's done. And it started... It it really started as soon as he came into the league. And I I am under this weird, sort of like a little scared, honestly, of it thing where I think Jaws is just as savvy because of the generation that he's grown up in. Like LeBron was growing with tech while it was happening and being savvy with it and being on the forefront almost to the point where where it was very off-putting at times. Ja is kind of like entering into it, like alongside of it to me in a way, how he handles Twitter and he is himself and he, you know, is a, isn't afraid to kind of be himself at times and delete stuff or go back and forth or just be super revealing about how he's handling things with like living his best life at times. Um, and I think that a lot of people would say that's a little bit against it. And I'm only saying I'm starting to see some hints of him getting exceptionally savvy. And I think that there was some sprinkling of this in his interview because there, the other spoiler that I would say is that he was asked a question of like, um, who are the other like most athletic people in the league? And so he's like, well, me, I'm number one. Duh. So he's going to say that. But his next two people are Ant-Man and Zach Levine. And I'm like, okay, let me just take a step back. Where we're at, where the league is heading. Anthony Edwards, poverty-ass franchise with the T-Wolves, made the dumbest trade of all time two weeks ago. The dumbest trade of all time. You can bleep it. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> so dumb. Go Google it. In three years, two years, it wouldn't surprise me if that guy's asking out of that place. I think he's breadcrumbing. I think he's breadcrumbing with Levine. I think both of those guys, Josh sees as and this goes back to what we were talking about in the first in the part one pod of why he doesn't have a player option. He's here. He's now saying, I'm the guy you come here. I and whether it's Ant or Levine, and this is not going to materialize for at least three years. But that's what we're setting up for, I think. It'll be interesting. And Ant Man and Jaw next to each other. Holy Moses, how amazing <laughs> would that be? <laughs> That'd be fun. I, I, I wanted to make a point off of what you had mentioned because I think that's really apt. Uh, Yeah, no. Um, When you're talking about LeBron and kind of what he sort of created was this this belief among players that you can control your narrative. It doesn't have to be the media. And the way that 
LeBron has approached it is heavy production, huge PR team. Let's do everything very calculated. And I think Ja is sort of now, I, like I think the LeBron way of doing it is now becoming the old-fashioned way. Because now what do people want? They want authenticity. That's right. Ja now has a documentarian basically following him. All the time, full time. If you look at the three episodes that they've dropped this offseason, like the first one is through the playoffs, which is really interesting. It's like a five-minute clip. And it shows him like, you know, working out in between games or like recovering, doing what he needs to do. The second one, I kid you not, it's like 15 minutes long. 10 minutes of this episode is like his friends playing Madden. Like it's nothing. Just them sitting around and I was like, all right, how long is this He's probably last? in a track suit, right? Jaw's not even one of the people playing. He's just sitting there <laughs> laughing at their jokes. Like, this is nothing. And then the clip went viral of him tipping the waitress. Like, he's not trying to look any sort of way. Like, they're in a, a Denny's. or I don't even know what It was an Applebee's. Like, an Applebee's. Thank you. But, like... What <laughs> in Dallas. I appreciate the accuracy. Like, he is not trying to look any way. He's just trying to be Jaw. And I think, but at the same time, it's still a produced content. It's produced. That's exactly right. The so, video person on this is, it's the best. I I had meant to make that point. And I'm so glad you cleaned it up because that is the other side of it. I don't know how many other NBA players are like, I mean, I'm sure there are, but he's like also in his interviews being like, yeah, go look at this guy. Like he's making it a like, He's, he, it's not a huge focal point of like his business empire thing that he's trying to build at this point in time. But, dude, he talked about it. He knows how mentioned he is. He knows he's the most mentioned person. I bet he knows where he ranks in jersey sales. That dude is competitive as hell in everything. So, like, there, there is this, like, evolution of jaw too that's about to be happening even like outside of him as the basketball player that I, I assuming that his durability picks up there's another level that's like this new trajectory that I don't think that we ever could have anticipated that I also think is it becomes exceptionally exceptionally attractive to the other superstar types who don't who haven't done it because then they can bolt onto it and they benefit monetarily and from the media exposure. And LeBron had that effect on all types of players. Can I also mention something too from the basketball side? You think about LeBron and the way that he sort of is like any play. I think about Kevin Love in this respect. He joined up with LeBron. He used to be a franchise guy before he did. And all of a sudden he was kind of like, broken down to what was the most essential part of his game, and that was rebounding in threes. He's a three and D, basically. Right. Ja, however, is a small point guard whose primary skill is getting everyone else involved and scoring when he needs to, which is late in games. But throughout a game, who doesn't love playing with Ja? You haven't heard anything about anybody complaining, not getting their touches, He's opportunistic when he needs to be, but he's the he is trying to get you what you need. Right. LeBron would have had Dylan traded ten games in. Oh I my mean, gosh. Dylan would not have lasted with no, LeBron. And honestly, the the other part of it too <laughs> is that Ja in the interview yeah. is saying, and we've spoiled a lot of it, but this is not a huge spoiler, but he's just saying like 
he believes that they have a championship team right now in Memphis. Yeah. And he says the front office has done a good job bringing guys in who are not only hungry but are buying in. That's He believes he we have Prime it right now. the goat. He did. Yeah, it's freaking awesome. Yeah, I just <laughs> – Y'all know that I love in the media side of things to like read between the lines. It's like kind of like what I do for a living a little bit. And like, I just, I think he, I think he's already more strategic in lots of ways than we even want to like give credit for. And I think there's a lot of other athletic guys that he could have thought of. He didn't mention Zion. I mean, if you, I mean, just there's like five guys right now that I'm like, Really? Like, and I, I don't know. He just isn't like if one of the, if all of a sudden, could you imagine like in a year, if all of a sudden one of those guys starts getting linked to the Grizzlies, somebody's going to go back to that, to this. This is the first time that he talked publicly about other guys athletically outside of the Grizzlies. And all of a sudden it's this sort of weird LeBron narrative that LeBron is just like unconsciously and just like it is it's disgusting how he his media it's just sort of latches on to like kind of the weird bread comes of him pulling people and like so much to like the all-star draft that he's drafting people that he wants to play with yeah i will say as just an aside who i i think those are two pretty good picks if you're supposed to rank athleticism like objectively agree yes however i also think that those two guys are um even though I know that Levine just signed a max deal, like it just wouldn't shock me though if he ends up on another team in this contract. I don't 100%. know. And then Ant Man, who knows? Because like that could get old playing with Gobert and Towns and old. Uh, but he he hate, he, does, he doesn't hate him, but he's already talked shit about him. <laughs> was, if you're Ant Man, you have you watched the move? Watched the movie that he's like? I just he, there's no way that he's gonna think that that's additive to him. At all, <laughs> we'll it feels like it feels like feels like Edwards is going to have to deal with another man in the paint constantly because of that guy too. So, <sighs> but but I, I, to your point, I mean, I I think in the same way as like you know y'all famously said last year, you know y'all and Ty were talking about how you know the long term how this front office has the long term in view, like they are always they're 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 not going to ever sacrifice you know, the next season as we saw. We, some of us wondered if, but obviously we did not sacrifice short-term either. But they always have this long-term view in mind. We've talked about that with Conchar and other things. I think Jaw is the same way. And I think even the way he's done the, the advertising that he's chosen to do, like I think he's even kind of slow playing his exposure. Like, like because sometimes I think he's not even – like he could be so much bigger. He could have been on so many more commercials. And I think he's he's doing a good job of understanding I think what you talked about which is that the backlash phase. Like I think he's aware of all these things and he is figuring out how to na- navigate and that's why I think that the the weird fake aggregation is sort of so funny because I think he, you know, that's exactly not what he's trying to cope. Yeah. come across as and i and i think it's just very interesting because i you know i keep waiting for the nike thing to drop and Same. i just think i and it's i think happen. there is but i think there is a like they're slow playing it in a very cool way and i think and i think that speaks to your point about his savviness um and and how he chooses to let himself be known and all those sorts of things yeah so. 
Yeah, he's out west. So if you started hearing rumors of him like making trips to Portland, it's I, coming. I need the shoe. I can't wait. I mean, he's already got he's got the drink. He's got the underwear. He's got Hulu Live TV. I mean, he's got a he Nike Spider Man. He's got he Spider. I mean, it's like. I mean, seriously, like it. Anyway, we this we maybe spend too long on this, but I, I whatever. All right. Um, no, I mean, I just, I mean, I think, I, I think it's it's fine to one talk about it now and to continue to celebrate that we have a superstar and that we might have the face of the league. Yeah. For in the next for the next six seven and like years. for real we talked about this in part one I'm I'm serious I will be shocked if we don't have a Christmas Day game this year yeah. oh shocked pencil it in no it's gonna happen all right um y'all want to talk trade value reaction I would I would love to do trade value reaction let's do it <laughs> um so Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo had their last Sunday night podcast of the year um. Just side season. note, I I heart that podcast so much. Yeah. It's the a good Rosillo one. Bill. I know Rosillo's they kept good. talking. They they made me freak me out by they kept acting like this is the end, and I'm like till like till, December, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like the, the way they were talking just made it feel weird. Like yeah. there's there was contracts uh, coming up or something. It's it's a good pairing because obviously Simmons is at this point just like hyperbolic as heck, but then Rosillo is the most like down to earth uh let's stay realistic person possible and so when they meet in the middle it really is yeah fantastic content yeah he can and he'll and he doesn't he's not he does not fear simmons oh not at he all he calls him on stuff the um but basically what they do or what simmons has done every year for a long time is basically rank um the top this year he did 64 um but basically like the top 50 to 60 guys in terms of trade value and the way that is important to think about trade value is not necessarily like who are the best players in the league right now. It's more about who, um, if you pitted like two players against each other, who, which team would say no to the, to the other player first. And you basically just whittle it down until you have like the top guy that no one would say, um, yes to any trade for this guy. And so, for instance, Giannis is, like, number one in this category. You're not going to trade him for anyone. Yeah. Um, Bill literally says this is not a player ranking list. Yeah, and a lot of people, of course, online are going to be confused by that. And um, it's just how it is these days. But, um, yeah, this is really interesting because uh, definitely it matters how old the players are. It matters how much money they're making. Um, and I think there's also kind of like an X factor too, um, that's kind of hard to quantify, but kind of like how much do they mean to their respective teams? Um, and how like in the, in the zeitgeist, how, how confident are you that they are the type of player that you want in your organization? Yeah. Um, it's hard to put your finger on that. I, the the Kyrie Harden, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, uh, yeah. Factor exactly. You're not just taking their skills in a vacuum. You have to consider all aspects. Yeah, the rules are like, like the the period of time matters, the salary matters, age matters. Yep, all those types of things. Um, so I think the way that we could frame this discussion because we can honestly talk about this for like hours, but I think we should keep it as Grizzlies focused as possible. Hundred percent agree. 100% Grizzlies um, only. Can, can, can I just like make a suggestion? Let's just, yeah. we just talked about Ja for an hour. 
Let's just like Jaw came in fifth. He did. Let's spoil which is it. Nuts. It's nuts. Okay. So, at, like, the, and the people ahead of him are Curry, Jokic, Doncic, Giannis, yep. and Tsukumpo. Excuse me, because I went last names on all of them. And the Grizz, the way that this is should go, because we're going to talk about Bane, Jaron, Dylan, anybody else on this list I get that we want to add in, is like. So, Group A, the way Bill did it, was completely and utterly untouchable. All those four guys are ahead of Ja in that group. Group B is the untouchables, and Ja is in this other list, but Ja is fifth, and the order is mattering. And so, like, the way I thought about this was, would I – because Ja is now basically a max. Would I take any of those players over Ja in a trade heads up, straight up? And I don't think that I would take any of them. I think Giannis, we'd have to have a meeting like that. And that's like how it, long of a and that's, meeting. And that's the, that's the thing, you know, so for people who don't ever listen to it, that is one of the things that Simmons and Rosillo talk about is like, would you immediately say no? Or would you like actually have to take a meeting? About is this it? like an in-person, like serious meeting? Or are we doing a zoom conference call just to say that we like, had a meeting? Like a zoom conference call. I mean, I, I think it's like a, uh, I have like, am I just making an emotional decision here? It's Giannis. He's probably the best player in the world. Um, and so he is the only one, um, you know, I mean, I'm actually mad. I, I would, I would have, a, I'd have, at you're least mad one. to admit that you would have a call. Uh, well, no, no, I'm, I'm mad about some of the other names on that list, but well, I, yeah, we're I definitely get there. for Giannis, but Giannis is the one guy for me that I just think you have to, um, you have to have a talk about just because of his impact on both sides of the floor. Um, in comparison to jaw, but I think a lot of the intangibles we just talked about for the last few minutes make me also want to say no to Giannis and just Memphis and everything else. I mean, so, but all that said is Giannis is the only person that would give me pause on that four. Um, tell me about it. Will. I, see, I mean, I in your the first, if you're talking about group a, like realistically, Steph Curry, obviously like the age thing is right. what rules him out for me. Um, he can't bring those four championships with him, or three, however many he has. Jokic is a guy who I think is, like, he he takes up a space on the floor where you want somebody who's, like, elite defensively as a rim protector. He is not elite defensively. However, he most certainly is, in my opinion, like, the best, if not, you know, top two um, offensive player in the NBA. And... Luca, I honestly, Luca and Giannis, I would have a conversation about. Yeah, I would have a conversation, and I would probably. So realistically, which is funny to me because Luca is the easiest no ever. Well, okay, that's the thing though. You're putting Luca. I would think you're putting Luca in the Grizzlies system. Like I honestly think the Grizzlies system, front office, everything is a lot better than the Mavericks. In my opinion, I think it's a different ecosystem. Luca's size and shooting are what do it for me. Ja, I always will worry about his 30s. Yep. But at this moment in time, it'd be really hard. I mean, I'd I'd probably run it with Ja so instead of so saying yes So if this right was now. a Grizz list, to to if I'm playing Bill on this, then you would be saying let's bump Ja to three. Um. Honestly, just to be, I'd probably say four. Jokic you would and take Jokic. If Denver called and said, hey, look, we love Jokic, but we're worried about Murray, we'll give you Jokic for Josh straight up. Jokic you is would, like, you'd take he it. never doesn't play. 
and he's incredible. He's the back-to-back MVP. Like, yeah, I would definitely think about it. Think about it. So I, I, I think that's why I think he and Jokic are tied at three for me. You can, you, you cannot win big with a center who's not good defensively. I would build around Jokic differently than how they're building around. This is about to sound terrible, but like I just, I'm also going to put a lot of value on the fact that Ja, of the top five, he's two of the only Americans on there. I mean, yeah, and I think that sort of has some weird like thing to me. I don't not uh, because I'm like proud to be an American necessarily. I um, I think I'd put I think I'm with you I think I'd put him three and I think I might even I'm the Luca thing and the I I, I, I disagree with y'all so hard on Luca no, I don't oh love where Luca is right now in his like um, Please, I, I'm just, I, I want every keep giving me Instagram photos of him being in shape and him looking muscular like in those weird filters so that I can make even more money when the Grizz win the division again this year. <laughs> keep doing it. Oh. I love cheering against him. Luca is a team cancer. His teammates don't like him. Uh, he's never going to be a winner. Period. I'm with you. I, I'm taking I'm you. All my hot takes on Luca. I, I wouldn't even think I would laugh if they called trying to give me Luca for Jaw. All the things you just talked about for the last thirty minutes. You're right. Luca I'm, is you're the right. anti of that. You're right. You're right. In every way. And <laughs> I'm the culture guy. And so I'm all. I mean and. And, oh, Ed, if my Dallas friends hear this pod, they're going to hate me. But It's part two. We can forward he, it to him. He is so good. I enjoy watching him play. He might end up having a better career than Jaw. I don't know. I just, I per, like, even just as a fan, Jaw is just so much more fun. He makes the team so much better. Um, just everything about him. I just, I, I, I'm, I, I continue to think Luca is overrated. Anyway. I love your point. Love it. And I, I'm in agreement on my personal list of which we're editing this on a podcast. Jaw is number two for me on this list behind Giannis. How about before putting him number two on your list, him come into camp once in shape? Wait, what do you it's mean? All I have to say for Luca, I'm just saying. No, no, no. How about putting Jaw two? No, no, Jaw. No, sorry, sorry. I'm talking. Sorry, you're I'm, talking to me I'm because still I mad have Luca too. I'm still mad at Simmons and Russell. You're trying to convince Will. Will. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. But still, upset. It's, like, it's a great list for Jaw to be on number five on this. It's no, list. again, and that's big picture. It's unbelievable. We have a Grizzly at five on this list, so I feel like I'm really complaining. But uh, you know, and uh, Russillo and Simmons and a lot of other NBA people will continue to be. Messed over by Luca, but that's okay. Fine. Do we want to go to Bane? It's a next? great point, honestly. Uh, yeah, let's go. To let's Bane. go to Bane. Okay, so oh, by the way, one more point. I would actually have, um, I would have Tatum and Edwards above Embiid, one hundred percent. And I wouldn't put Mobley in the Untouchables list. No, in my opinion, Mobley was no. incredibly high for me. I wouldn't trade Jaron for Mobley. Oh, oh, so, I can't wait to argue that alert. point with That's you. a spoiler alert. Can we stop crowning people after one year? Let's, anyway. I'm with you. Okay. But, but <laughs> thank you. Sorry, I'm bringing fair. all the hot no, takes. No, no, no. I love it, crap. This is, hey, uh, Mobley ahead of Davis is where that one gets really weird. Like, come on. Okay, but we're not, Mobley we're here to talk about Grizz. We're here like to talk about the Grizz. Okay, so. Like I feel like we we're not going to go through this entire list. There's a whole other podcast that does that. We're here just to react to the list and talk about it Grizz-centrically and sort of reference the other group tiers. So essentially, Bane was placed at number. Th- I thought he was thirty. He's in the forties. No. Okay, he's at forty-eight, which is in Group J, titled the Ginobili's, the playoff guys, which is 
50 Tyler Hero, 49 Jordan Poole, 48 Desmond Bain, 47 Marcus Smart, 46 Jalen Brunson, 45 Andrew Wiggins, 44 Michael Bridges. And so then the the point of our discussion then is right place, should he be higher? Uh and or like where like where does it start to break where you're like yeah I would take that player for the like in the Grizzlies team structure contract all of that in mind instead of Bain okay because I think that that then th- this is the interesting one because the whole contract thing with Bain I think ended with a Grizz lens catalyzes him way ahead of this tier in my opinion i think obviously i don't like the way that group i is named the westbrooks i I believe that bane actually belongs here um i think that bradley beal would not make my trade value list i think that is the worst contract now um in the nba yeah the fact they still did this when he has a no trade clause i think that this is going to ruin the Wizards for the next five years. Um, I feel incredibly strongly about the Beal contract. Um, you could even convince me it could be worse than John Walls. So would would I would say that? And again, Bradley Beal's made one All NBA team. I would say that Desmond Bain's season last year was as good as most of Bradley Beal's seasons. Yes, for, and he's making two million dollars. I also who is around this. Uh, this area with him, with Bain, I had one more that I know would not be above him, and it was uh, um, Brunson now is making $25 million a year. Um, I would not put Brunson above Bain on this list. Wiggins, I would not put above Bain on this list. Um, Bridges, I might still have him. I, I like Bridges a lot. Um, Jaden Ivey, I mean. I, I'm just, I'm even annoyed they put. I agree. You haven't played a single NBA game on the list. Um, well, to, so th- th- I, to me, l- so let's react to the list the way they did it. Like, I, I think uh, Bain belongs in the in Group G, too young, too cheap, too good, please stop calling us, because he's on yeah. the books for the next two years for a total of like $5 million. And if Paolo and Chet and Jay, like Jabari and LaMelo, I know like that tier is like they're the yeah. rising superstars – but the way the list is named, I mean, he really is like he's sorry, he's worth us, he's worth more to us than you. Like that, there's some like I'd be fine with him 34. He's like he's worth more to us than other teams, and he's too young, too cheap. He's too cheap. Like stop calling us. I, I honestly think some of this list was a result of of people not really understanding how injured Bain was uh, in a lot of the playoffs. So like if he had stayed healthy. He has an incredible, he you know has a great Warriors series to complement his Timberwolves series. I mean, we just, I mean, I'm not like people are gonna freak out, but what makes Curry amazing is he shoots an amazing percentage from three on high volume. That is Bane. Um, Bane is good defensively. He is solid defensively. I mean, his issue is his height. That is probably the only weakness he has and a little bit of his handle. Um, but he's even shown some playmaking skills and some other things. I just like potential to me, just like looking at all these, some of these people who haven't even played a game yet. 
I'm just shocked that he's behind so many like rookies. Like he's, for the grit for a, I mean, my opinion is for Grizzlins. Like I start to get down to this list, I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, who would I take over Bain? Like you, you call me straight up now. You make the salaries work, but like, would I do Levine for Bain? Probably. Would I do Siakam, Gobert, Towns? Hell to the no. Would I do Kawhi? Yes. Would I do Zion? I'm on the record as saying maybe. So, like, that's where it starts to break. So, like, this whole, like, for me, I wouldn't do LaMelo. I don't think I'd do Jabari. I don't think I'd do Jalen. Like, I think that's why I feel like, for me, he's in, like, this top 30 list. But he, and he's really from a Grizzlins in that area. Like, I just, I just think people that's, don't that's realize. My, just I think that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think people realize, like, he was – like he was our best offensive player last year for a lot of the year because Jaw was injured. I know, and like I don't think people realize just how good he is. And uh, he and his shoulders are ginormous. <laughs> He's making two million dollars this year and three next year. Like, yeah, five total is, over two years. If you're talking trade value, every team in the league. Every team in the wow. league wants Desmond. Bain. And again, the intangible stuff too. It's all there. He's yeah. like he's. Shoot, get probably getting up shot. Well, he's in Vegas now, but I mean, he's he's shooting in high school gyms somewhere as we speak. Okay, but probably. like, so let's end this like right now. Like, so that, like, would you take if the Pelicans called tomorrow and said, "We'll give you Brandon Ingram, you give us Bain and some and and Adams for Brandon Ingram"? Would you do that trade? I mean, I'd have to think about it because of the size and the wing thing, but it would definitely be. Um, it'd be hard. It'd be hard just because of Ingram and the culture stuff. Um, so let's kind of let's just assume that culture trump that our culture can trump all. But I like totally get. Pick, I mean, but I totally am not going to like. I'm not going to have a conniption about right Ingram being above Bane. But you, know? you do it like if some of it is even like I body would. type fit. You do Ingram. I probably would. Would you do Jalen Brown? But again, part yes. of, so part. Yeah. of I will yes. say this. But I'll say this, Jalen. Yes, that's the point of this exercise. But what I'll say for the Ingram. So the Ingram thing for me is what kind of player is he? Bain, if you could create, because this is the way I feel about Jaron too. If you could create a shooting guard to put with Jaw. That's right. Like that's, that's maybe maybe give Bain, but maybe two more inches. That's which the point is why exercise. I like the Jalen Brown thing. But like, I mean, and so for Ingram, it's like he's not Ingram is. He's he's a he's like I need the ball in my hands. I need to go one on one. Like that is not the guy we would want next. Right. To so to this point, Houston calls and we're like, man, Jalen Green really has trouble like holding his own in Houston. He can't handle all the strip clubs here. No. For plus, okay. plus, plus again, so, that's like so and that's the one point of those is with, so he and in, in, in our minds, he's even ahead of Darius Garland on this list. Speaking of, bre- but going back to he's your previous 30. column, I, I, Jalen Green's another guy that Jaws put out the breadcrumbs about. By the way, I know knowing that guy's going to want to be somewhere I'd have, else. In a I'd have Bain at thirty-one. I would take probably Garland would be my line. Yeah, line in the sand. But how's that Bain. fit with Jaws? Uh, right, I mean that's, I mean, and that's where at some point in the list you have to kind of be. This like, is the Grizz lens that I'm putting. Yeah, the Grizz lens. I would, yeah, I would have them before Garland because we have Jaw. Yeah. If all of a sudden, if OKC calls and like, we'll give you Chet for, for Bain straight up, like, you're. I mean, it's the number two overall pick. You, you're. I mean, it's hard, but anyway, I think that's yeah, just I like think thirty thirty one thirty thirty one. Like he's really ten points higher. Okay, I think that's all like that was a really helpful exercise because the Jaron part of this is going to be exceptionally difficult. Yes. 
There's going to be less agreement. There's going to be less agreement with Jared. So let's take a quick break. <laughs> Which, by the way, we'll right by the back. way, about, well, no, okay. I mean, I, and yeah. we're back. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jaren here is in Group K, accurately for Jaren, in my opinion. Oh my, that's the called worst the Upside ever. Gang. <laughs> worst ever. That is the okay. We so, would no, not hold on, hold on, like, stop, stop. I've got to set up the list for the people who have not read this article or listened to the podcast and for y'all to react. Okay, so the Group K, the Upside Gang, is fifty-seven through fifty-one out of a total list of sixty-four and like fifteen honorable mentions. Number fifty-seven, Tyrese Halliburton. Fifty-six, Maxi. Fifty-five, Herb Jones. Fifty-four, Triple J. Fifty-three, R.J. Barrett. 52, Franz, Franz Wagner, 51, Josh Giddy. And then if you look at the next tier, it's like um, where Bain was just a second ago. So basically, Triple J is one tier above where Bain is. Craft, yeah. I will so, now allow okay, you to so have here, the floor. Two points I'll make, and I'm trying to make them unemotionally before I get more <laughs> fired up. One, I think Bain is more on the trading block than Jaron to our front office. I think that's pretty clear. Secondly, I bet you, I guarantee you that the Nets would trade KD if they, like if in a Jaron Jackson and I think our front office would say no. And Kevin Durant is 10th on this list and I think our front office would not trade Jaron for Kevin Durant, who is 10th on this list. And I think that says something at least through the Grizzlies, our right. front office. So like, so and I'm, not, I'm not saying I agree with high. that, but I would say that I, be, I believe, and of course we don't ever know, I fully believe our front office would not trade for Kevin Durant if Jaron had to be in the deal. I okay. think they would say no. I, I want Will to make his points, but we're going to do the same exercise that we just did with Bain that we had to do with Ja with Jaron. Okay. Going all the way to number one, but will make your rebut. What were you? What were so you, I just. I think, want your opinions. I don't. This is not about front office. This is about Kraft and Walker. Yeah, I and mean, fit contract, all the rules. I really do think that the leap Jaron took defensively last year is always going to be forgotten when you pit it against like offensive leaps. Like you're just. Defense just doesn't stick in the mind like offense does. Um, however, when you look at, and I made this point on a prior podcast, when you look at the final four teams in the NBA, they were all top six defensive teams. Jaron is our best defensive player. He was on first all first team defense. Um, if he had played a little bit more, um, you know, I could have seen him really get legitimate run in the all defensive player, defensive player of the year. Those guys don't come around very often, and oh, by the way, he's like 23. So I have him probably higher, a lot higher than they do in this group. Maybe the, um, I do have a little bit of a concern about his his offensive game and how, specifically shooting, um, and how that's going to develop. Um, so I would be a little bit, when you're looking at him versus a bunch of these players, the exercise is going to be really helpful for me because I honestly don't know where I would put him. All I know is I would have him probably like 10, 15 spots higher out the gate. And right. you could then talk me incrementally into into rising. Like, by, by the by, Just by the way, he's 22 still. 
22. 23 in in September. He'll be 23 in September. Yeah, yeah. So here's what I will say. So other than Mobley in the top nine, which includes Ja, if those teams call and offer you a trade straight up player for player, I hope that we're all saying that we would – Agree. I have two players I would not trade him for in the top. Embiid. Time. Embiid would be the other one. And Curry. No, no. You would I, take Curry. Well, no, I would. Ugly. I would actually because we have Jaw. I wouldn't because we have Jaw and Bane. I wouldn't trade him for Curry. Um, just because again the age thing. But I would say I would say I'd rather have Jaren than Embiid. I'd rather have Jaren than Mobley. I know that's like a hot take. And you'd rather have Jaren. Embiid's not a winner. Steph so he's a, he's an injury prone loser. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, you're getting my, my NBA hot no, takes I, tonight. I love your hot takes. Fantastic. This is the point of I the, mean, the uh, discussion. Why, why am I, why am I, I going to trade Jaron for an older, inj- more injury-prone player who is not as good defensively and who's never made it past the second round? I love it. And who and and by the way, when I already have a player who's just as good defensively, who doesn't demand the ball, who's not a di- who's not a diva, and by the way, can't shoot the three as well as Jaron can. Jaron had an outlier year. I don't think that's an outlier year. Is it? Yeah. I would I would say um, out of the nine, I would I would still keep Jaron above Mobley. But Mobley is Mobley is out of place. He I will is. say Mobley's this. Out of place. I will say this. That I mean, it could be there. I mean, I just I'm saying from what I know, from what I've seen production wise, I'm just not there yet on Mobley. It's I, been I one year. And for those I, listening, it's Giannis, Luca, Jokic, Steph, Ja, Embiid, Tatum, Edwards, Mobley. Those are the top. And right. then Duran is and number then Duran 10. Is ten. So I also would not. Trade I think Mobley first. shouldn't be number nine, but I also think Mobley's the better Jaron. That's what I think will play out over time. I was on the record on the draft of saying that, that I would trade if the Cavs offered us their pick for Jaron, I would have taken it and taken Mobley. I think that his shot is more pure. I think he moves. He's not a giraffe on the court. Um, but I, I, would, I would take every player on that list, including Kevin Durant, for Jaron right now. What about the Group D? Let's get down um, to the group. Team. I just wanted to make that very clear on where I stand. Uh, the one, so the next group, Group D: Trey Young, Scotty Barnes, Cade, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker. Um, that was seventeen to eleven. That was seventeen to eleven. I would not do Trey. I would think hard about Scotty. I would think hard about Cade. I would not do Paul George. I don't think. I would think about it. I don't think that I would do it. Um, I would not do Butler. It would be really fun. I would really consider Anthony Davis, but I I think that he's basically Jaron five years from now or however whatever the age bracket is, and I would a hundred percent do it for Devin Booker. You would, I would laugh if you if they called and made that made it a conversation Booker for Jaron straight up. Uh, I I so, um. I mean, obviously, I'm going to very much disagree with all that. Or not disagree with all that. Uh, I mean, obviously, Trey, because we already have Jaw. Scotty is the one on that list that I think I would hesitate. Uh, Scotty's the one I'd want to think about. I really like Scotty Barnes. Um, Cade, I'm, I still, I don't, I'm still not a believer in him. 
Um, he could be okay. I'm still not a believer. George is too old. Butler's too old. Um, again, Jaron's going to be a better Anthony Davis, and we already have a better Devin Booker and Bain. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> he makes up. way less money, Will, and he, by the way, isn't list? isn't a diva. Doesn't date Kardashians and all that stuff, and isn't and isn't going to want to try to get to the New York Knicks at some point because he's a he's connected there. Um, I think that trading for any of the guys that have already signed to max or super max deals basically just locks you in. And so Jaron's deal I think is going to prove to be extremely team friendly. Um, That's a great point. We hadn't talked about that yet. That to me is like my hesitation with specifically Butler um, and Trey young, Uh, Paul George too. He's making max Uh, Anthony Davis again. Yeah. Too fragile. Booker is the one that I would, I would say yes. And then um, Barnes is the other one that I would think through. Um, but overall, Jaron's still pretty high in terms of like, if I just had to lump him into this group where, where I would rank him, it would probably be three. We haven't hit a clear breaking point. The other point with that you were saying, though, is like on Jaron's deal, it is a de-escalating contract. Yep. Like when you're looking at 25 25- 26 and Rosillo did talk about this on the pod very briefly and they said they were going to come back and talk about Triple J and they never did which was quite infuriating because um, I was really curious to hear what he had to say about him but like that 23 million and 25 26 could look like like a steal that's like D- what Dylan Brooks like, is making right now yeah, yeah I mean it could look or amazing m- more like the salary ties. cap is and what it goes up to in that period so like the next tier above it I think is I think the next two tiers together is where I think we'll really start to say like, okay, this is where the clear break is. Like you start to say like, would you take Jaron for Bam straight up? I would. Um, I think Bam is more durable, um, has the same defensive prowess, is the basically the same type of fit. He's not as great from the outside as – Who played more games last year, Bam or Jaron? Uh, I know down the stretch Bam was injured, so it was probably Jaron. Yep. But – just. just- you know, over the, more first, over the first couple years of their career, I would imagine that Bam significantly outpaces Jaron in games played per year. If you t- took the first three years games played, we'll we'll come back and stat check that. I don't think I'd do Jalen. I don't think Drew is an overlapping fit, so it wouldn't work. I would do Brandon, and I would do Zion. I would. Yeah, uh, Jalen. I would old. not do Cat Gobert or 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 uh, Jalen Kawhi. I don't. I, I'm on the record. I wouldn't want Kawhi. So yeah, Kawhi's too risky at this point. No yeah. chance at Bam. He was almost unplayable offensively. Jaron can actually score. Can put the ball in the basket. Unlike Bam, that's a great point on Bam. He he, but he's a, he's great defensively. He was a very strange. Like it would be. Like, it'll be really interesting to see if Miami moves off of him based on, like, what happened in the playoffs. Like, it was like, can you show up? And he didn't. But the counter to that is that I would say that Jaron was the same way the entire playoffs, offensively. If Santi Aldama became an all-star, Bam Adebayo would be the perfect counterpart. (laughs) I mean, I I think that – I just think, again, the upside of Jaron – being that's what I he, think he's saying the good. upside, the upside, the upside. But. Well, no, but I mean, well, okay. So right now, I think they're as as the same defensively. I think they're the same, and I think Bam is never going to be good at offense. Jaron has a great capability of being good at offense. 
He's shown that. Um, I think this is where we diverge. I legit think that Jaron is getting like I think that he he has this he has this like body type where we think he's going to hit some sort of offensive like climax or something. And I just don't I think I'm coming closer to the opinion that he is what he is on offense. And like I haven't seen his shot change. His shot is awkward. Uh like he plays small. Uh he's going to always I don't know. I think I'm just becoming a lot more bearish on what on the on the realization of his offensive upside. I hear the defensive like realization that he achieved and that is awesome and think that become could become a stabilizing I, thing. But I but I will say that Bam would never be able to space the floor. Jaron already even not shooting that well spaces the floor for us. He's a threat. He's right a now. threat to space the floor and I will say that he had a really good shooting year when he when he was his playing with year. other good defensive centers, and I think this was his year of playing unbelievable on defense. And then and he he's got to get in the kind of shape where he can still shoot well and play hard defense. I think he's personally going to get there, um, and and so anyway. But that that's what I would say. Yeah. I mean, I just I would say that what I think Bam there what we've seen of Bam that he has hit his ceiling and he's staying there. Okay. And it's an awesome ceiling. I just think that I would rather have the guy who's really close to that ceiling defensively now and who could potentially really, really get better off it. Well, if the Pelicans call and say, we'll give you Zion for Jaron straight up. Here's what you I do. The medical records, you check them. Everything looks fantastic. Zion says he loves Memphis. He likes barbecue, but he's not going to eat it. He's going to be on Jaws' training curriculum. I would say yes to Zion. But here's the deal. I, this reminds me of the game show Deal or No Deal because I think <laughs> it totally depends on how risk-averse you are because we're holding a suitcase, that is Jaron, and the banker is offering us. These are basically what the banker is offering us. Are we going to say yes, and what is the threshold for the offer getting this high that you say yes versus we have like options that it could be out here? And are we holding like, you know, the million dollar or the $900,000 case? Um, a lot has to happen for it to be that. And so like Zion is the same. Like to me, they're almost interchangeable. Like their risk profile with Zion versus Jared. I agree with you. So you I mean, can I, really. I disagree. You don't think. <laughs> Where is your ranking for Jaron? What's your number? Yeah, yeah. What's the number? Like in this thing. Yeah, if you if you make your own trade list, I mean, which I'm you're gonna have a Grizz lens. I mean, probably on top seventeen, eighteen. I mean, I'm so far, yeah. like, I mean, honestly, top fifteen, sixteen. I mean, you're I'm, putting I'm him. High. You're putting him at like, like twelve ahead of AD and Booker. So, so you're putting him ten. I also put, just really I mean, with the Grizz lens. I mean, part but, of it. I mean, and also obviously, you know, that's a lot of exercise. Just, I know. I know that he works perfectly with jaw. I know that they're close friends. I know that they get along and th that's a lot of stuff with bringing in some of these other alpha type guys too. But part of it is I just, I believe in the potential. I, I don't yeah. get freaked out. Like where again, I I'm a big Zion, the weight stuff, the, just the way he is like all those intangible stuff make me very nervous about Zion. Like, I, like, yeah, like, yeah like I'm the, with you. The weight. And, and to me it's different in that, Jaron has had one big injury 
and he's come back from it and played an entire year and looked fine. And he's now had this injury, which everybody seems to say is minor. And again, that could worry me, but like literally Zion, you look at his body and you're like, that can't last. And he's not doing anything to make you feel better about it by losing a lot of weight. And, and speaking of, you know, Jaron at the same time, Jaron does not need athleticism in the, in the same way that Zion must have athleticism. That's a good point. So, I mean, so those are the things, I mean, again, I'd have a meeting, so I'm not, I'm being emphatic because I love, love You'd Jaren, have an in-person call, but, about it. but I would have, I would have a meeting about it, but I just think for me, like Zion is a perfect person to have next to Jaron. And that is much more the way I would be thinking going forward for sure. is waiting for the Pelicans to need to make a trade like that. Would you trade Bain for Zion? That would be more, that would be more of, of a thought yeah. for me. Yeah. But okay. The thing with Jaron is you can't talk about Jaron without talking about the fouls. And it's just one of those things. It's like, I will believe it when I see that it's not going to be a problem. I'm confident that he has the ability to control himself as he grows into his body, as he gets more experienced to make that, you know, less of a emphasis. And in the way that I'm thinking about Jaron, that has to be an aspect of like, regardless of health, when you're hundred percent, can you stay in the game? But was that an issue play? for any, like, but are we, are we letting the T Wolves series where he was literally playing against one of the, the most offensive forwards in the game? No. And, like, and people who drive the basketball like an Anthony Edwards, whereas like in the Warriors series, he was not in foul trouble at all. Right. I think though the Warriors were the perfect matchup for him because you didn't have like a true center besides Kevon Looney. And when they did finally put Looney in, I mean, we kind of saw what happened. Granted, there we had plenty of injuries, but the the point is the odds right now of him in terms of like average um, fouls in a game aren't in our favor. So if you look, I mean, he's still leading the league in fouls. So and it's a big sample size. That's the only thing. But at the same time, the way that they have Jaron in this exercise, I believe, is at least twenty spots too low. Um, if I also not way don't. More. I also don't think, especially if you watch like the way the Wolf series went, you can't put Cat where he's at and like not kind of couple Jaron around it. Like Cat obviously has is has a lot more offensive prowess. His defense is so terrible. So it's like that was the other thing that I was kind of looking at this and saying like they basically went head to head, and I thought they came away with, as both having like massive gaps in their game and sort of equal in terms of, like, their holistic impact in a big-time series. And Jaron is, like, what, four or five years younger? Four years younger? So, like, I don't know exactly who I would move in my head or against. I'm I'm willing to say he's, like, for me at least, he's above 40. But you would like, have but you would have Bane above Jaron. 100%. Okay, and I, describe, I would have Jaron above Bane. So yeah, I would I think also have Jaron above Bane, I think, actually. When yeah, I, I think we. It. I think I know Jaron's defensive impact. I just think there's other ways around, like solving some issues for him. I don't. I like. I'm sort of like. I think everyone's saying like it's easier to find you another Bane. I don't think so. I I think that I think we're I think we're devaluing because we're in a shooting league right now. I think we're devaluing a little bit of how good Desmond Bane is. Right. That's what I think. 
I mean, obviously, I'm just being a homer majorly anyway. I mean, I, I think with those three people, you can win a title. And so that's part of probably where I'm coming from the most is that I just, I think, and I think the Kevin Durant thing's there because I, like, I know that part of it is I think Katie doesn't want to come to the Grizzlies. I think he'd much rather go to the Phoenix Suns. But I do think that, I think the Grizzlies would be surprised. Like, I think if we saw like if we were able to hear the talks i think people would be very surprised with how stingy the grizzlies would be about jaron about jaron and about bane when it comes to kd which i think people would be like shocked by yeah i i, I don't i agree with your take on the front office it's not what i would do i would do jaron for kevin durant um okay i think at this point <laughs> this is why this is a part two we, yeah. are there any other players that are worth like quick uh, you probably don't want to do this because we're like at hour three. i mean I would just say... Oh, Dylan was an honorable mention, by the way. Yeah, I would s- still have Zaire above Dylan, probably in my trade value, um, personally. That would be the only quibble. Yeah, I thought about that, but then I was like, man, would I take DeMar for Zaire? I might no. think about it. No. What did you take? Ananobi? OG? You would take OG for yeah. Zaire. Yeah, but I, I mean, in terms of Grizzlies ranking, like yeah, I would yeah. still have Zaire in honorable mention, probably, but not Dylan. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, 100% agree with that. Um, Dylan would be my I mean, dishonorable Dil- honest, I mean, Dylan, so much of Dylan's value is is him making up for other weaknesses on our team. Totally. You know I mean? It's That's, specific. His value is very specific to yeah. us, I think, which um, is part of the unfortunate thing because it makes him hard to trade. But I think this honestly should become sort of like an annual exercise for us anyway with, with the Grizzlies because I think that will help to um, – I think it, it realistically aligns you with the decisions the front offices are making too and how they're thinking through this. And it also just helps to have like every player mapped out um, compared to yours. And let's hope that the Grizzlies just continue to rise. And I think especially as, as long as Bain and Jaron both are, depending on what Bain's next deal is, like you could continue to see them really high on these boards. So, um, and Ja, let's just get him into the top category. Let's just go ahead and do that. Um, well, uh, 100%. it's been a lot of fun for Brantley, for Kraft, for Ty. Shout out. Um, I'm Will. Join us next time. Who knows when we'll be potting again? Maybe we'll be talking about some Kevin Durant trade. Who knows? Probably not. Hopefully not. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. It's really late. Um, but we'll talk to you soon uh, when more Grizzlies news happens. Thanks for tuning in.